Welcome to the church family that is lifting lives through living love, inspiring hope, filling with faith, and transforming our world. These recorded messages are made available so that you might have additional opportunities to stay connected with us, and then you might learn and grow in your faith. God bless you as you hear the word today. And now, the message. Our scripture this morning is in Luke 2, 41-52. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he said. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his word. As we just heard from Ms. Tracy and from the scripture reading, today's lesson centers around Jesus as a boy in the temple during the Passover celebration. Since last fall, we've been intentional about creating intergenerational ministry here at ZUMC. One way we're doing that is to closely align the scripture text for the sermon with what our children are learning in Sunday school. Our hope is that this will help all of us to deepen our faith. But before we dive into today's text, I'd like to back up a little and look at this chapter in its entirety. The chapter begins with the very familiar Advent reading. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. We then follow Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem, where the child is born. Sometime during this journey, the shepherds receive a visit from the angels proclaiming, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior is born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. As the angels had instructed, the shepherds traveled to find the Messiah. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now in accordance with Jewish law and tradition, Mary, as she had been instructed by the angel Gabriel, who told her, don't be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will become pregnant, give birth to a son, and name him Jesus. And so she named the child Jesus and presented him for circumcision. The text also tells us the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. 
Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Just in case Simeon's witness wasn't enough, there was a second to Jesus's identity as Messiah and Lord. Anna the prophet, who for most of her 84 years had worshiped at the temple day and night, fasting and praying, immediately came to the parents, gave thanks to God, and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law, they returned to Galilee in their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was with him. Now let's fast forward about 11 years and the text resumes the biography of Jesus, who is now a 12-year-old boy who has traveled from Nazareth with his parents, extended family and friends to the temple in Jerusalem. To observe the Jewish tradition of a yearly pilgrimage to the festival of the Passover. But before we dive into chapters 41 to 52, I want to talk a little bit about 12-year-old boys from a developmental perspective. 12-year-olds are entering a developmental stage of increased autonomy. They're consumed with friendships among their peers and just sort of fitting in in general. So a 12-year-old boy is focused more on himself than on others, sometimes moody and surly, experiencing physical and emotional changes, developing more complex thinking, developing a increased sense of what is right and what is wrong, better able to express their thoughts and feelings, beginning to question family values, and developing their own personal set of morals. And when kids are around age 12, this is when a lot of families show up in my therapy room. Adolescence is challenging for everyone, but I try to help parents remember that when their 12-year-olds were two and three-year-olds, these same behaviors, this search for autonomy and independence was, that's happening now was happening then. Do you remember when your two-year-old just learning to run would run away from you, then suddenly stop and turn around and make sure you were still there? That's happening with your 12 and 13-year-olds too. It's just that I think we thought we had more parental influence with a smaller human. I think it's a defense mechanism though that we don't remember two and three when they get 12 and 13. I think that defense mechanism is what gets us through one more year parenting. But it's easy to forget two and three when this act two of this resurgent lurch for independence happens. We forget how elated we were to graduate from diapers to potty training and from getting up at 5 a.m. to make breakfast to your child being able to make their own bowl of cereal. The terrible twos are easy to forget when you live with a surly 12-year-old. It's even harder to process this. And if you're a parent of an adolescent, I want you to hear these words. This behavior is mostly developmentally appropriate. Doesn't make it easier for us. But you know, parents often express wonderment in the development and changes they witness in their children. If you're a parent of multiple children, you know that while your kids grow up under the same roof 
Each of them has their own style. Do you remember how your child or child you know was so, so sweet? And then seemingly overnight, they turn into a temperamental adolescent. I wonder if this was true of the boy Jesus. You know, 12-year-olds often have their own ideas. So imagine a young boy who was so focused on what he was interested in that he lost track of time. He became separated from his travel party. Imagine being the frantic parents who, after realizing their child is not with the group traveling home, spend three days looking for him. The fear, the anguish, the prayers that must have been said in hope of finding the child alive and safe. Then they find him in the temple, listening to and speaking to the temple's teachers. Scripture tells us that the teachers were marveled at his understanding and at his answers and his questions. His parents, on the other hand, were perplexed, or we might say teed off. Mary seems particularly frustrated with Jesus, and she does a little shaming when she says, why have you treated us like this? How could you cause us so much anxiety? And Jesus gives them a response that could sound like an innocent question or a snarky rebuke from a 12-year-old. Verse 49 recalls the words we see Jesus speak in the gospel text when he says to his parents, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I would be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. You know, most good stories resolve in the end, but some good stories don't. Some good stories leave us wanting more, imagining more, hoping for more. This story of Jesus in the temple unfolds like this. The scene is set. Jesus travels with his family to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration. The problem is introduced when Jesus's parents realize he's missing. The solution is to issue an Amber Alert. Three days later, the child is found sitting comfortably in the temple, talking with and listening to the teachers. Well, that could have been the end of this story, but it wasn't because a new problem arises. The story had come to a resolution until the spoken word entered the text. The dialogue between Mary and Jesus is the catalyst for problem two. Even though the text tells us that all who heard Jesus's questions were amazed and even his own parents were astonished, Mary, the first person to speak in this story, still wants to know what the heck he's been doing for three days. She also wants him to know that she's been distressed because he's been missing. Jesus explains himself but his parents don't understand what he's talking about. His parents return home to Nazareth with Jesus in tow, and Mary thinks about all that has happened, treasures these experiences, and continues to parent Jesus as he grows in wisdom and stature. Now, the culture we live in often demands clarity and irrefutable ways of understanding the good news of Christ in the gospel. Well, today, we have a text that ends in pondering and lack of understanding. The story isn't tied up with the bow. It's open-ended because they did not understand what he was saying to them. So what possibilities are open to us when things are obscure and problematic? Where does the gospel message provide hope and help and a way forward in such circumstances? Did these parents forget how they had marveled at what had been said to them about their infant son? Had they forgotten Simeon's witness and Anna's prophecy? 
that he had come for all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. You know, in the busy life of a growing family, perhaps Jesus's parents didn't recall or didn't understand what was developing right before them. As parents, do we sometimes not remember or not know the marvel that stands right in front of us? If you didn't know who Damar Hamlin was before last Monday night, I'm sure you know now that Damar is the 24-year-old Buffalo Bills safety who suffered a cardiac arrest during Monday night's NFL football game. I'm not a big social media person or Facebooker, but I was struck by a Facebook post I saw early last week. A post from a mother who had no idea that her son would pull people together to look to God for help and hope when the unexpected and unexplainable happened. Here's the post from Damar's mother. I can't wait. I can't wait until he is well and conscious. I can't wait until he hears the stories. The stories of how an amazing first responder team resurrected his failed heartbeat while millions held their breath. How grown men wept in horror at what they had seen then dropped to their knees, beseeching God to intervene on his behalf. How the Bengals team visited the Bills locker room to encourage and show compassion to his teammates. How much of downtown Cincinnati and the stadium was lit all night in Bills blue to remind people to pray for him. How hundreds of Bengals and Bills fans prayed together by candlelight at University of Cincinnati Medical Center how $5 million and counting have been raised for his children's charity, how the anchors of ESPN actually bowed their heads and prayed aloud on worldwide television for his complete healing. I can't wait for his mama to sit on his bed and tell him all the stories about how God used a young football player to teach a nation what is truly important. I'm sure Damar's mama had no idea how her son would unite a nation. What about these stories astonish and amaze you? What are you pondering? What do we do when our best problem-solving techniques don't yield satisfactory results? Where do we go when our best efforts at faith and living out the gospel leave us with no insight and more questions than answers about what comes next in life. The text tells us that Mary nor Joseph understood what had been said to them. And in spite of that, they remained faithful. Jesus knew everything and he remained faithful and obedient to his heavenly father. Jesus obeyed his father. Mary worked things out in her heart and mind. So rather than trying to have all the answers, maybe we should take the gospel message and live as faithfully as we can, despite our inability to understand it all. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is really simple. We don't have to understand it all to have it all in Christ. Amen.